0: Hello there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever—the only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me, as always, he's lost like tears in the rain. It's Anthony James. (laughs) It's a me, Anthony. I actually got that quote wrong. I should have said he's lost in time, like
1: tears in the rain. You know what? I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) That's alright, I was, I was given a little Mario thing there, because I've been, I've been hooked on Mario Golf at the minute, to be oh, honest. Oh, have you been playing that? Is it, is it good? I've heard it's
0: like, I heard
1: you have to play as a me in the adventure mode, which I'm not mad about. Uh, you do have to play me in the adventure mode, uh, but that's because you're striving to get into the, the big leagues where Mario and With Luigi the and Bowser... Yeah, so you're only playing against sort of like the, the side tier characters like Pink Yoshi and oh. and like little and like Boo and stuff. Whereas when you get to the big leagues, Boo is not a first... side
0: tier character. Thank you. For that. Boo is one of my favorite characters in Mario Kart and Mario Tennis, for that matter.
1: Well, yeah, but he's 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 a beginner in golf. I'd say he's not he's not the best at golf. <laughs> okay. he's he's only a newcomer to it. But what I will say is. Nintendo has somehow managed to make a version of golf, which is really fun. So they didn't make up speed golf. Speed golf does is in the game. Yeah. But, they, but they do have a thing called battle golf, which is just in a stadium. And you're hitting the ball around, trying to get it in the hole. And when one person gets that particular hole, you have to go to a different one. And there's like oh, okay. chain chomps running about and everything. It's really, really dynamic and fun. That, it, it, if real golf were
0: like that i would watch
1: real golf to be honest yeah. like, let, let's
0: see let's see fucking tiger woods deal with that deal with that shit he can't because yeah, yeah no. <laughs> um well that's interesting i i would like to uh, i'd like to play that game at some point but we're actually well it may surprise some of you to hear this we're actually not here to talk about nintendo games uh we're yeah. here to talk about <laughs> movies um and this week yes. uh we i'm very i'm I'm going to lay my cards on the table here. I'm very much looking forward to this week because we are headed to Neo Tokyo. Uh, and we promise to try not to blow it up with psychic powers um, <laughs> in Akira, which is one of my favourite movies ever. Um, and uh, Anthony has watched it for the first time, and we're done. Gun talk about it. Um, we're also going to yeah. s- speak about Richard Donner um, and some of uh, some of the movies he makes. He sadly passed away last week or two weeks ago at the time of hearing this. Uh, got some Avatar news because what week is in film is complete without some Avatar news and Barbie movies, um, which. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be... It's, not the, is, it's is not the director brilliant.
1: you think it's going to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that much for the new Barbie movie. That's well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I actually know who the director of that is, but I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But I know that isn't Margot Robbie playing Barbie? Barbie? You'll find out. We'll in,
0: find out, yeah. In an exciting best movie podcast ever. So I say, let's talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Okay. Movies. Let's talk about them. Um, We've made a tradition in the past few weeks of talking about superhero movies when we open our new segment, um, and that gives me a very easy segue into um, mentioning that Richard Donner, director of Superman, source of Superman 2, or well, he did direct Superman 2, he's just not not credited for it, Uh, (laughs) The the Omen, uh, The Goonies, a bunch of other really good movies uh, passed away at the age of 91 a couple of weeks ago, which is very sad but he he was a great director and i think it's worth us taking a moment to reflect upon uh his library of films because he made some absolute crackers
1: so for me obviously superman jumps to mind first of all superman like richard donner's films of superman are the reason why for the longest time superman was my favorite Superhero—it's yeah. kind of like your favorite color as a child. You don't want to give it up, you know. Even though you yeah. should, you kind of. So, Superman—I don't want to give up that he's my favorite superhero, but I find other superheroes more enjoyable these days. But he still I, is my favorite. I—I I haven't gone back and watched those movies, but
0: I think I would still love them to be honest. Because, and I'm—I'm I'm a big—I'm um, very like sentimental when it comes to Superman. Like, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't like the Zack Snyder uh, DC movies is because—and I understand why. I understand that the drive to try and make Superman a bit darker, a bit a bit more interesting, but. Sometimes I like a kind of just positive outlook, blue sky, he's just a good guy trying to do good kind of superhero. And I think mm-hmm. I think the Richard Donner Superman movies absolutely capture that. Um, both of them, to be honest, and he did direct both. He, he's not credited on the second one, but basically what happened was he, he directed them simultaneously and then had to stop about 80% of the way through Superman 2 to focus on getting Superman 1 finished with the assumption that he would be invited back to finish it once Superman 1 released and um for whatever reason uh, when he did come uh, when uh, he did finish Superman 1 the studio was like nah, we've got all we need we're going to give this to another director to finish and credit them um That's which was really shitty was yeah was very shitty by I can't remember which studio it was might have been Warner Universal. Brothers been, here, just any just any i mean insert studio here most of them are pretty shitty to be honest <laughs> um but yeah so and and also the director of the omen which is one of my favorite horror movies ever um the first i remember watching that with my granddad when i was he, he specifically invited me around to his house to watch first night of the living dead and then the omen and i was probably about 11 years old and you see a man impaled with a, like a priest impaled in fact a priest played by a former doctor who impaled with like some kind of pipe and then uh, the guy from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Use, the, sci- the British scientist man whose name I can never remember, <laughs> uh, get his head cut off by a sheet of glass. And I always think back to that and be like, I was not old enough to see these scenes of violence, but God bless him, my granddad showed them to me, and, and that, that set me on the set me on the path to George, George Romero and uh, Richard Donner fandom.
1: That reminds me of the time whenever. We, me, and my two brothers were like really like up to my dad. Like, let's watch the Exorcist. Come on, let's watch it. Yeah. And he was and he was just like, okay, well, you know, we'll see how far you can get. And we, <laughs> I was like, I was like twelve years old. My younger brother was ten, and my older brother was fourteen. And we sat down and watched the Exorcist. We still, we still uh, tease my older brother for this. He was fourteen, the oldest of us all. He left after twelve minutes. Me and my younger brother were told to leave by my father after an hour and twenty minutes in, <laughs> when the serious
0: stuff was yeah, well, about to yeah, go down. When when, uh, when you start getting to uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell and, <laughs> and yeah, all so so, so
1: we we didn't leave like we we were up for a stay. We didn't get scared. We were watching the whole thing, and my dad was like, "I think it's time you leave." <laughs> I'm trying to think if anything
0: scary happens in the first fifteen minutes of The Exorcist. I don't think it does. It's just like very ominous. It's very atmospheric. Music. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah my old my older
1: brother couldn't handle I it. I mean, The
0: Exorcist is a really scary movie. That's still. Uh, still gets me and I, and I think actually the omen is is similar in that set. it's more it's a lot more violent than the exorcist um mm. but uh it's similar in that just very very sort of creepy ominous atmosphere and and the amazing score as well um and of course uh the goonies which is i think a childhood i wonder if kids now still watch movies like that because the goonies wasn't like a current film when i was a kid uh, I, I i was born I think the Goonies was eighty four, so I mean, I was born a couple of years after the Goonies came out. I guess it was kind of current, but I think I, I know a lot of people um, where the Goonies is kind of up there with like Labyrinth and like Dark Crystal as a movie that is holds a very special place in their in their heart.
1: Yeah, it all it all just comes down to whether or not the uh, the parents are going to show them. Like, we'll, we'll definitely be showing my son like Labyrinth and stuff. Yeah, potentially the Goonies. I actually my wife watched the Goonies when she was young, but I I, I didn't. I saw it when I was an adult for the first time. And to be honest with you, I was just like, "What's the difference between this and any children's film this, these days?" Mm. I, I know it's technically better than most. Uh, Josh Brolin's
0: know. in it. I'll tell you that for a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That that is that is. Let's be honest. That is, and Sean Aston is <laughs> Sean in Astin. Yeah, yeah. So that is pretty good to be honest. Sean Aston, of course, of Stranger Things season two fame. But uh, I how how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fifty first dates. Fifty first dates. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I I really I, I thought it was okay, like you know, hey yeah. you guys and stuff. I, I I definitely like I've got stuff uh, films like that, like The Sandlot, for example, is one of my childhood films the that Sandlot. I'll definitely. Oh well, that's that's maybe one that you would watch and maybe not see as much in it as I do because I've got the nostalgia fact But one, my point is that all those little films from my childhood, I'm going to be showing my children. Yeah. So I yeah, think yeah. it it passes on like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. And
0: and actually, I will say The Goonies. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I. I reckon it probably hasn't aged super well, whereas I can categorically say *Labyrinth* and *Dark Crystal* are still good mm. movies. Um, that music, *Labyrinth* more so, yeah. definitely. That, plus, ba- yeah. that Bowie music, you can, you know, you can age that film as much as you want. That Bowie music is still great, as far as I'm
1: concerned. Yeah. Also, the stuff Rattles too, because the whole bulge stuff going on. Oh, you know, that's that's all.
0: Yeah mother mother may i <laughs> um but yeah so um richard donner gone but not forgotten like he had he had a very good run made some very good movies and if ever there was a time if you haven't checked out any of his any of his uh most famous movies uh what better time than now to go and watch them yeah. because he made some crackers now we've got an unprecedented news story here now And that's—it's unprecedented because I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm gonna now—I'm gonna throw to a man in the field, Anthony, Anthony James, to like to uh, to tell us what the next news
1: story is. Anthony, hello, Conrad. Here I am down in the field. It's uh, quite rainy, blustery down here, but there is a news story. Okay, and I think you'd be very interested in it. And basically, the news story is. Bo Burnham, his new special Inside, which we talked about on the on the podcast maybe almost a month ago at this point, yes, um, and we both were really really high on it, loved it. Well, would you believe that it's actually it's being released in selected theaters in the USA? Oh, that's it's interesting. Being released in cinemas. Now, here's my question to you. I'm sort of answering the question before you know, but my theory is that it's being released in the cinemas. In order to try and get him an Academy Award nominee yeah. for best best original song. Yeah, they did it with Roma. I think they did it with The Irishman. Like Netflix
0: have a pretty pretty solid track record of um giving stuff that they think has a chance at winning an Oscar a limited theatrical release to qualify mm-hmm. for the Academy Awards. So yeah, I I I one hundred percent think that's that's what they're trying to do. I wonder I wonder what it's gonna come under. I guess best original, uh, best original music,
1: probably. Um, yeah, best original song is an best is best original Oscar. song rather? Yeah. Um, yeah. There is actually one for four song in particular, <laughs> like the sh- the shallow by Lady Gaga won a few years ago. Yeah. I think one from the Greatest Showman potentially won. There is one that comes out every like every year. They, they, there's a best song. Best picture. Um,
0: Why not? <laughs> That's what I'm well, saying. That, that, yeah, well, I think it, <laughs> I think it
1: should be best picture. I think but it part, should like, be too. I'm not even. I'm only very very semi-joking when I say that. I actually think, like, I, I, when it first happened, I was like, okay, obviously best song. But is there a chance? Like, is I don't think it'll happen. But is there a chance they'll enter it for best documentary? Is there a chance? Mm. It depends. It's hard because it's it's not.
0: I suppose it is documenting something. I suppose you could call it a documentary, um, even if it's kind of it's almost like an art piece really rather more than it, it, yeah
1: but it's too genre-shattering in every regard yeah. to but, actually be known for anything
0: unfortunately yeah but i'm well i mean legitimately i was looking back as i as i as i tend to do at the middle point of the year i was looking back at what i've seen so far this year and inside is still far and away the best movie i've seen this year uh and it's going to take some beating so you know if we're talking if we're talking oscars Put that motherfucker in the best picture category, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah,
1: um, and also a little bit of a sort of side news on this regard: "All Eyes on Me," which is his one of the one of his yeah. second last song on the album, I think. Um, that has now—I don't know if it's still climbing, but it it got anyway to uh, like a like hundred and seventy-three in the. Uh, usa billboard charts like it's actually nice. which is unprecedented yeah. for a song from a comedy show yeah i mean i i've i found myself
0: going back and listening to that whole album on spotify i all eyes on me is actually one of my least favorite songs it's still good but it's just not as good, not not so much my 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 thing as as the others but there's just so much good stuff in that album uh so many good songs and i i hope that this allows, but Bo- I mean, he doesn't really even need the success because he's already like very well renowned, very well well regarded. Oh, yeah. But I-, I hope, I wish him every success in the world because like the inside was phenomenal and um, fuck mm-hmm. him, give him the best picture Oscar, give him the best actor yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just give it all to Bo Burnham. The year of Bo, make it, make him host it
1: as well. Actually, that would be he, he would probably be a very good Oscar's host. Yeah, I did, I did see a funny review of it. It was like uh... Five star, it was a five star review, but then the actual text of the reader said, doesn't pass the Bestel's test. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Can't yeah. argue with it. <laughs> <laughs> And that makes the it a bad of Soko, movie. I will say that we is You don't true. know the gender of soccer, but there has true. to be two. There has to be two.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean, you know, and he portrays a white woman uh, in <laughs> in one of his songs. Um, so not talking about men in that in that song. Either, no, but so. they're not. They're also not talking to any, to another woman. So
1: well, yeah. he's talking. No, the the white woman he talk he is is talking to their deceased mother. They're, oh, that so is act-
0: true. That is true. but pa- It does actually pass the best no, test. She does mention her boyfriend.
1: <laughs> oh. Yes, she does actually. Fail, fail. Yeah, it's a bad
0: movie. Oh, that was right on the rim. It was was right on the rim. (laughs) It was going in. It was going in. (laughs) Just popped out at the last minute. God damn it. Um, That's unfortunate. Um, But uh, yeah, long may Bo Burnham's success continue because he's amazing. Um, I'll tell you who else is unfortunate. Anthony, uh, check out this for a segue. Um, we've we found out this week an exciting Avatar news that Matt Damon turned down uh, the the lead role in James Cameron's beloved series of movies. I keep seeing that there's going to be like three sequels. I'm yet to of to see. I any think there's going to be five in total.
1: I think it's gonna, yeah.
0: <laughs> but well, he turned down the lead role in in the series. As I can't even remember what 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 the lead is called. It's been so Jake long. Jake Sully. Is it Jake Sully? Um, yeah. We, and which would have netted him ten percent of the uh, of the earnings of that movie, uh, which to remind everyone somehow was two point eight four seven billion dollars.
1: Um, oh, I really come on, I really like that film. I it's do. okay. I, I, it's, I, I mean, it's not. It's it is. It's there's more on un- ungroundbreaking than there is groundbreaking. But I I I, I would pop it. It, on it watch was it was I, it was great to look at. But I think um, I hate Sam
0: Worthington with uh, the the fury of a thousand Sons. Like I just I just don't. I think he's awful in everything I've ever seen him in, and I don't understand how he's an actor. Um, and Matt Damon certainly would have made it made it better. But I mean, it, it, yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's I wouldn't say it's two point eight billion good, but what do I know? Venom made like over a billion dollars somehow, and that that movie was a shocker.
1: I haven't seen Venom. Um... <laughs> But I heard Tom Hardy apparently is in love with the character now and wants to play him in a number of different films oh, I'm now. I'm sure he
0: does when he's making that much money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no one wants to do all these actors don't want to do superhero films and all of a sudden yeah, they see yeah. the money
0: until, until the check turns up and I was like, like Joaquin what? Phoenix
1: is like I am not being in a superhero film and it's like Joker earns <laughs> this much money want to do a sequel yeah, yeah tell you what
0: I've always uh, identified with the character of Venom the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lo- load of load of charlatans but uh yeah so uh, Matt Damon would have been in that and would have made it better I think it's safe to say um but we didn't get that we got Sam Worthington instead but of uh, by all accounts, he's going to be in the other ones. I'm really hoping they just kind of quietly kill him off between movies and replace. Well, you him. might
1: remember there won't be actually the physical body of Sam Worthington in these ones, so that might be a little. Oh, little. he
0: gets turned into a navi, doesn't he?
1: Mm-hmm. He's like he gets like transported yeah, through a... yeah the uh, the what is it, the soul tree or whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah. Great film. Great film. It's good. I mean, it's good
0: laugh. It's good laugh. Like I, it's Tariq not MacDo or something. You know yeah sure i mean it's it's not it's not like the worst film in the world by any stretch of the imagination it's just well I, it's it's a bit like um it's a bit like jurassic world when that movie came out where i was like this is a good movie like it's fine like it's not it's not bad but it just made so much goddamn money and and, and you know it's probably me i'm just out of touch with what people want to go and see in the cinema i guess
1: yeah i don't know avatars great <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see when the next one comes out in fifty years' time. Well, I hope.
1: I hope Matt Damon's in the next one. He just, like oh. cut,
0: like light, he's like an Interstellar type. Role. Yeah, like, yeah, Just turns I mean. up, turns up as a walking, heavy-handed metaphor, like in an Interstellar, <laughs> and then dies. Um, I tell you what's not going to die, and that is Barbie. The character lives on, both in plastic form and now in an exciting new project from Greta Gerwig um, that is uh, scheduled to start filming in 2022. Anthony, you and I both like Greta Gerwig. I don't know, have you seen Lady Bird? I can't remember. Uh yes. Yeah, so Lady Bird and Little Women uh, are, you know, the latest things that she's done. But Greta Gerwig's yeah. made a pretty a pretty good career out of doing kind of female centered uh, movies. And I'm kind of fascinated to see what she does with a Barbie movie. Um, as as you alluded to in the intro, Margot Robbie is going to star in it as the eponymous
1: Barbie. Um, yeah, I, what do you think this movie's going to be? Well, Barbie is of course one of the most varied uh, in 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 interest and talents in out of any toy it's or true. any character be an of all time. for all we know. Like this, but like. I think there was like one time like an ask reddit saying w- if you had to take a fictional character on an adventure with you who would it be and the top answer was Barbie because she can literally do every job in yeah the world. I mean I'm um, sure
0: she's been like a doctor I'm sure like and also probably an adventurer
1: as well um so yeah well, yeah i i I really I don't think especially because Margot Robbie's involved I don't think that margot Robbie is going to have signed up to something. Which is, and also Greta Gerwig wouldn't do this. Oh, yeah, Greta Gerwig like, immediately
0: yeah. ma- gives me confidence that this is going to yeah. be really interesting. So,
1: Mar- Margot Robbie wouldn't have signed up to something which would have been like a Harley Quinn 2.0, mm. because we already know that although that is like a cash cow for her now, and she's probably she's not going to stop it, Like she, uh, there is a very big difference in terms of the way that Mar- uh, Harley Quinn is portrayed in the first Suicide Squad compared to her her standalone film uh i think they even they like they photoshopped her shorts smaller uh in like afterwards like they did digital (laughs) on her and she was very upset about that so i i I I really suicide squad yeah i didn't know that that's hmm. i I don't i don't think that margot robbie is would sign up to something which is going to put her in that same position again um i'm I'm fairly sure it's going to be a comedy hmm. i feel like it has to be a comedy though right Action adventure comedy apparently according to this, but yeah, I, I like think a Jumanji's yeah, th-
0: type thing maybe.
1: Yeah, it's it's got to be, and I and I think she, like Barbie will come across. It says here that she's a doll living in Barbie Land, and if she is expelled for not being perfect enough, and sets off an adventure in the real world. So I imagine she's going to sort of grow as a person. She's going oh, re- like to she's If they
0: manage to do like a Nightmare Before Christmas kind of thing with this, I, and like Gregor, we could do it. She's got the chops for it. Then I'm all all aboard with that. Frankly.
1: Um, the only problem is that james marsden's a bit old to be ken but he probably should have been
0: i feel like yeah but i feel like pl- making your ken kind of like old and leathery skinned is is <laughs> is like a really funny joke at this <laughs> at this yeah. stage like you know they they could have gone even older to be honest they could have cast i mean no, well, it, i don't know i don't know who they've
1: cast i'm just saying james marsden would be my cast oh
0: i see i thought you were saying um mel gibson get him in there <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Do not cast Mel Gibson in anything, please. We don't need any more Mel Gibson. Uh, the really important question is: Will this or the Jerry Seinfeld Pop Tart movie be better? That's the real question.
1: I, I mean, Barbie, Barbie movie. So I think I think there is connections there. I think that the B movie was a great. First film for Jerry Seinfeld. Let's see what he's got. I think he's young, good young up and comer. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to see what's in he He's got for a future, this kid. Like, I mean, like he didn't just, This is what I. This is what I love about Jerry Seinfeld. Right, he didn't just go right out the block. B movie, huge success. Obviously, some some uh, Netflix put out on their Twitter that some some ha- household watched it over five hundred times in one year. Huge success, right? He didn't just go, you know what, all these all these movie studios want me now. I'm going to jump on and just do any old crap. He waited like 18 waited years. for the right script. <laughs> waited for the right script. He's got it now. The Pop-Tart movie. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Finally. I really am. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm,
0: I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to Jerry Seinfeld teaching Greta we got a thing or two about how to make an <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. presumably an action-adventure animated movie also in the Pop-Tart movie. I don't know. We'll find I'm out. I'm going to make a
1: prediction. I think that the lead character of the Pop-Tart movie will appear more plastic. Than Barbie in the Barbie movie.
0: Okay, nice. Well, is that is that a comment on their performance or a comment yes. on?
1: Okay, nice. Because
0: I, I, in my head, the Pop Tart movie is going to star an anthropomorphized Pop Tart. <laughs> like, like that's... Isn't it about the creation of the Pop Tart? Well, it, it, was, it, was, it, was cre-
1: it wasn't created; it was discovered. Happy, it was like a little Pop Tart man. If you're
0: expecting me to do anything more than a, the most cursory of research into these news stories, you are going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I saw Jerry Seinfeld. I saw Pop Tart movie, and the rest is all, all the rest up to us. We're filling in the blanks here. Oh my god. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig making a Barbie movie with Margot Robbie, uh, starting filming in 2022. Keep your eyes peeled for that one because it's going to be interesting at the very least. Um, I'll tell you what is also interesting, and that is this week's Back to the Feature. That's right, it's back again. Don't call it a comeback because it was here last week as well and the week before that. Um, It it is your favourite and mine. Back to the Feature! Right. Here we are. So, I'm, I'm not going to give you any clues ahead of this one, but I will say I love Just this five. movie. Just, I'll take
1: five clues,
0: please. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 give, I'll give you some clues. That you're allowed to have five. But um, yeah. no, this, I love this movie. Uh, it's it's going to stand in stark contrast to The Last Couple, where I, I kind of begrudgingly included them in... Uh, back to the feature
1: here it was only it was only phenomenon which was genuinely terrible that's true like
0: Independence Day I will sit down and watch I've, got, I've, not, I've not got that yeah. big of a problem I just don't think it's a good movie but it's, it's fun it's fun yeah. um If you haven't seen this before, welcome to Back to the Feature. This is the exciting game show segment where I have selected a movie from 25 years ago today. And uh, Anthony will have five opportunities to guess the movie. You will hear five clues. Each clue he hears will lower the score he will ultimately receive. And please, play along at home. I love to see other people's scores, see how well they did. Anthony, are you ready for Back to the Feature? I'm ready.
1: I'm ready for a second time. I'm ready. Okay. Three times. Nice.
0: That's what I like. It's assertive to repeat it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hope. Yeah. I just had to check my my my. Uh, At some point, I'm going to fuck up these clues, and I'm only going to realise it while we're reading it through, and we're just going to have to build build this 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 plane (laughs) in the sky. But I haven't done it this week. Um. So here we go. Clue the first. The character of Hiles in this movie, was written as a parody of R. Lee Ermey's Marine Drill Sergeant in Full Metal Jacket, and after auditioning several actors for the part, they ended up actually casting Ermey himself for the role. Starship Trooper. <laughs> R. Lee Ermey is not in Starship Troopers, but that's a great shout. A <laughs> I great, just wanted to get, That's a great yeah. shout. Oh, I always forget his name. The The guy who plays Zims in Starship Troopers, he was, he's... He's in loads of stuff, like and he, he's a he's a great he's a great, great brute of a man. Uh, but it's not Starship Troopers. Lovely mention. Question two. Danny Elfman liked the director's previous movie so much he agreed to do the score for this without even knowing what it was.
1: Interesting. My question to you is: Has Danny Elfman done any films with this director before?
0: No. Okay.
1: No. It's not. It's not the the dynamic duo then. Um. <laughs> that, no. <laughs> uh, I imagine okay, Danny well,
0: Elfman I'm not... agrees to do uh to do what's his face uh, Tim Burton movies sight
1: unseen as well. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Danny, I
0: need you. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take half an hour out. Yeah, do... ding, ding, <laughs> ding. That's what we'll do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. Right. Uh. Let me see. Okay. Well, I'm not actually that familiar with Danny Elfman's work outside of uh, Tim Burton movies, so I'm just going to have to take a, a whack at it um, so this makes me think that it's actually like someone's early enough in their career the director because Danny Elfman would have known you know mm. I don't know something's telling me it's a Ron Howard thing I don't know why I don't know why I know he started directing very young but he sort of didn't really take off properly until the 90s um, um, my first time I've ever done this I'm gonna pass okay it's a, it's a perfectly
0: respectable answer. Like If you, have, if you can't think of anything, there's no, no reason to, to, to force one out. I, I was definitely
1: Uncle Buck, but we'll, we'll pass.
0: I will say for this movie, I, I think this is one of those movies, I think, that if you haven't seen it, there's just no way, you're, no way you'll have heard of it because it's a, quite a cult movie. But I think the people who have seen it absolutely love it. Um, okay. So pass is acceptable, though. So clue three. This was Peter Jackson Jackson's last feature film before directing Lord of the Rings, which would release five years later.
1: Okay, so I was right. In, that was earlier. I know Peter Jackson did like sort of three or four. Yeah, he
0: did three Australian, oh excuse me, New Zealand, New Zealand. movies before this, um, and uh, and then this.
1: Okay, so I have seen a film. I don't know the name of any of them, so this might be you know I might have it in, in spirit, but not in not in points. Um, you showed me a film of Peter Jackson. Yeah. Uh, way back in the day. Yes. I believe. That this one is not that. Oh, no, I think it is that. It's the one where little monsters from the zoo grow in people's bodies. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> I th- <laughs> that's one of the Peter Jackson films. Uh I don't know the name of it. Um I I don't know, but my guess is body wormy things. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not the right answer. I
0: think I think you're thinking of Brain Dead, maybe the the zombie movie. Have I shown you Brain Dead? There's Brain Dead and Bad Taste. We, Bad Taste is the Alien movie, and um and Brain Dead is is the zombie movie. It's not. I'll give you that it's not either of those.
1: Okay, well I don't know what it is then. I I know I know Peter Jackson. It might be Brain. No, I think it. I think it was maybe the alien one. It's like there's a big house, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's like a big brain house. Where like yeah, there's, okay, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's
0: a bit. There is there is a bit where a, a monster, a zombie, comes out of someone's body. It's like living in okay. their rib cage. Um, there's also a very funny bit where a priest. Uh, starts like karate fighting zombies in a graveyard, <laughs> yeah. and he says, "Oh, I kick ass for the Lord!" And then does like a, yeah. <laughs> does like a flying <laughs> kick and gets like thrown onto a cross. Uh, brain Dead's uh, a great movie. Um, yeah, this- so
1: I I unless the next one is like a clue that's as easy as it rhymes with Schmiedmasse ik- Park, I don't think I'm. <laughs> no. I don't think I'm going to get I, it. I, if you, I think you're... And honestly, this is another one of those
0: ones where I was like, if you get this, I'll give you the money myself because I don't I, I don't think you've seen it. Um, you might have to wait to the last clue. Let's find out. So clue number four. I don't think this is going to help you that much, but this was written and directed uh, by husband and wife, writing partnership, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, um, which, I mean, basically every movie that Jackson directs, they write together. So I don't know if that will help too much.
1: Um... Yeah, it doesn't help me too. I, I, honestly, I'm not going to get it. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to get it. I know Brain Dead, I've seen that okay. film. I think that the fact that I've even seen one of Peter Jackson's early yep. films is more than most people. Yeah, you know? that
0: is a, that's impressive that you've seen that. So I'll, I'll give you a last clue just so you can see if it jogs anything. But there's no shame in this. This is a, this is a lesser known film. It did make quite a lot of money, actually. We'll t- discuss that in a second. Um, but clue number five, this was Michael J. Fox's last leading role in a movie.
1: Hmm. was it released? <laughs> yes, it was, was released. Back to the future back to the future 4. Um oh, yeah, yeah, hmm. maybe. Still time um, Robert. His last leading Robert Zemeckis also produced this as well
0: actually, just as a little a little.
1: Oh, well then there we go. That's how Michael J. Fox got involved. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Hmm. I'm sure I've heard I'm sure I would have heard the name before but because I haven't seen it it's just not springing to mind. Yeah. So let's say okay, so you got Brain Dead and what was the
0: alien one called? Bad Taste. Is there is that any...
1: taste brain dead um, smoking foot
0: uh no it's not co- that might be a real movie or it might not be um but uh no unfortunately that's gonna that's gonna be a zero pointer two in a row but they've been they've been difficult ones this was uh of course the uh the michael j fox vehicle the frighteners about a, mm, okay, yeah. a, a charlatan um like oh, what are they called like people who come into people's houses and be like i can hear the spirits um oh, like mediums yeah, yeah. Or, or something yeah um basically yeah. like a charlatan medium who um gets into a car crash uh, that kills his wife um and discovers he can communicate with the dead and then it starts being like ba- basically haunted by a demonic spirit played by uh, i can't remember the name of the bad guy uh, but it's got jeffrey coombs um it, it's a it's a it's a great movie. It's one of one of my favorite um movies in the 90s and uh well worth checking out. And it did, it made over 100 million dollars worldwide, which I was surprised by, but it's one of those movies that I think if you haven't seen it, you've just never heard of it, but it's beloved yeah. by the people who have seen
1: it. So I was see yeah, I was thinking far too far back in Peter Jackson's Yeah, you were uh, thinking time.
0: like late 80s. Uh, I was they're...
1: thinking pro- proper, just like make a film with anyone you can make a film with. It's days, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, get a bunch of get a bunch of New Zealand actors and stick them in a house and throw some blood around the place, which is very much my speed as far as filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's good stuff, like. <laughs> Um But yeah, so that was the frighteners. It's it's hard luck. It is hard luck. I hate to I hate to see you go home empty handed. Um, but there've been a couple of difficult ones. Here's hoping that we can get you back on track next week with back to the feature
1: yeah let's hope let's hope
0: okay, well, I'll tell you something that is not hard luck. is that does that segue work? No, not really, but I'm just gonna i'm gonna persevere with it anyway uh, yeah, yeah i've yeah, not I've not personal. got a better one frankly um <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 to be honest, if you're expecting a better one, I don't know what show you've been listening to for the last <laughs> for, <laughs> for the last six months um we done watched Akira this week, and that's what we're here yeah. to talk about um it's directed uh, by the author of the uh, original manga the katsuhiro otomo who also kind of wrote the, wrote the screenplay for it i can't he wrote it with someone else i can't remember who they who they were um and
1: um well izo is, hashimoto
0: yes that's right um and i i was gonna like kind of talk through the story but i think when i first saw this movie of this anime um I was probably about 12 years old and like okay. anime had just started to come at, to like be released in the UK in like the mid 90s um, and it took me about th- like three or four viewings to understand what was actually happening in it so rather than me telling the story, Anthony why don't you give us a go at like telling us what your interpretation of the story was and we'll see we'll see how much you kind of grasped of it.
1: So are we sort of implying that we're going full spoilers from the start for this uh, one? no, you don't necessarily need film. to
0: go go full spoil we don't need to go like, you know, into the into what actually happens, but just the kind of broad uh you know, the elevator pitch for the plot, I guess.
1: Okay. <clears throat> so basically there seems to be there's a place called Neo Tokyo, which is sort of sprung from the from the uh ashes of the former Tokyo, which was Seem to be at the start attacked by some sort of nuclear bomb. Now, yeah. whether that was the case or not, we'll uh, we'll find out soon. Yeah. But uh, but in in sort of the aftermath, although the technology and and sort of the, the the actual commerce of the city seems to have completely recovered, the the city itself actually does seem quite post apocalyptic to me. Yeah. And and there there's like biker gangs and like um, very hard a lot of people on very hard times. It's set. To the backdrop of student protests that are occurring. yeah, uh, it seems like the the it's very authoritarian uh, now. The, the the military is very heavy handed with uh with with people, and it sort of starts off with this young uh, biker group of teenagers, uh, led by uh, Kaneda Kanada, yeah. um, and 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 his friend Tatsuo, and what they what they do is they're chasing these clown guys. These other, they're basically, bike wars. Yeah, but o- upon upon uh one day where they're sort of chasing him around and like sort of trying to get their own back over these bikers um they come into contact with a little child who looks quite old like an old looking gray skinned child yeah um and you don't really know what's going on there uh and in the collision or the sort of the meeting with this child uh Tatsuo who's a member of the teenager biker gang gets uh taken uh by the military police because he's injured. Um, and they started to experiment upon him.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's basically the elevator pitch. So I mean, really, the only things to that—that's that's impressive that you've managed to 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 kind of get that much from the intro because a lot happens in the intro to this movie and it moves pretty fast. And and the world that they build out in in the movie is so broad and so kind of richly developed that it's easy to miss stuff. But but yeah, so Tetsuo, um basically comes into contact with um an individual called an esper um who yep. are a group of um children looking kind of uh, individuals with with uh, telekinetic powers um and it soon becomes clear that Tetsuo has some kind of latent telekinetic abilities himself, um, and uh, they begin to uh, draw comparisons between him and someone called Akira, who uh, we find out was responsible for the destruction of Tokyo that we see at the beginning of the movie. And uh, and his powers begin to manifest in increasingly destructive ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's essentially the plot. It, it's obviously far more complex than that, but that is... It, it kind of is grounded in that storyline, but it goes to loads of different loads of different places. Um, so, I mean, did you find it easy enough to follow, or, or were you did you struggle at all?
1: Uh no, I didn't struggle with the, the setup. I think, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I didn't find it very unfamiliar. Like, I felt, I felt like maybe it was the sort of thing that I could, I could follow on in terms of the political yeah. atmosphere and, <clears throat> and, and, and like there was obviously a lot going on, a lot of character. Lo- one thing I find when I watch. Maybe if I watched this a few years ago, I wouldn't have got as much from it, but I'm so used to watching things from foreign uh, countries now that all the names and stuff were just sinking in straight away. Yeah. So it didn't really, I, I will say this a misconception of mine before going in, I thought before I saw this film, everything I'd ever seen had led me to believe that the main character, uh, Kanata, was actually called Akira. That's, I thought this was about someone called Akira yeah. um, and and this was the character Akira, mm. Um which is really interesting that's just the misconception that i had going in yeah but uh, over overall yeah like uh I, I, fo- I followed it quite uh easily enough I, i'm sure there is as you say it's very complex it's a lot like some sort of uh, some dynamics which aren't quite sinking in like the fella who was uh with the esper who was sort of us uh, trying to kidnap him yeah. at the start <clears throat> um the, the role of his group um Obviously, they're this like a dissonant group who are trying to, you know, find. I understand like the, the broad broad strokes of that, but I would have to watch it again to fully get the motives of that group. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and and that's that's a good example of one of those kind of these these like interweaving plot lines that um, essentially exists to highlight part of, to show us parts of the world that they've built here. But I mean that that's that's maybe it's because I watched it when I was quite young and I wasn't as kind of tuned into paying attention to certain plot points but yeah when i when i first saw this i was like so who's akira what's what's going on why is everything exploding now um yeah, yeah. and it, it did take me a few watches um did you did you watch uh and this is a no judgment zone here i, I like because as, as we'll find out in a second but did you watch with subtitles or did you watch the dubbed version
1: i watched the dubbed version and i'll tell you why because uh, my wife Emo was doing some sewing work, yeah. uh, hand sewing while watching it, this, so we have to do it. This
0: has got a very good dub. I watched the dub version. I grew up watching the dub version. I know I know. Like there are some kind of anime aficionados out there who are very kind of puritanical about watching subs, and I do, I do think it's worth doing if the dub is bad, uh, but in this case, I don't think there's anything wrong with watching the dub. I don't think there's that much lost um in the in the translation um, for me
1: into, to be honest with you, the dub versus sub um discussion is much more. Uh, important when talking about live action. Mm. In, in animation, I'm I'm listening to the performance of either the Japanese actor or the English speaking actor. Um, so therefore, I still am hearing someone's performance. Yeah. Um, if if it's if it's a live action thing, then I'm I'm seeing one person's performance and hearing another. I don't like that at all. Yeah, but like you can kind of get away I, I, uh, with the
0: animation side not. I, don't, I won't say not matching up with, but when it's like a live action performant and it's clearly not their voice coming out, that's mm-hmm. very jarring, I find.
1: Well, I I I would watch it with Japanese sub, uh, Japanese and subbed, uh, and I would maybe think it was better, but I would never think that just because it's the way for this film, that overall an animation... One's better than the other. I would just take it on particular performances. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I would prefer yeah. the English. Yeah,
0: yeah take it, take it on a case by case basis. I think is is the the correct way to approach this. Um, mm-hmm. So when I when I first watched this. Um, in the 90s i had the original uh, Streamline pictures dub that i don't think you can get anymore um where it had different voices so canada was voiced by a very famous voice actor called cam clark who also did the voice of liquid snake in metal gear solid and leonardo in the teenage mutant ninja <laughs> turtles and he didn't change his voice that much because cam clark has a very distinctive voice and it was kind of awesome hearing who someone who was clearly leonardo from the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> <laughs> to playing uh, playing canada um I was very you just, into
1: like, that. You, 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 you were waiting for him to ask for pizza and stuff? Oh, like.
0: absolutely. Yeah, like, I I was... It it was it was uh, sad to hear Leonardo in such distress towards the end, <laughs> towards the end of this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, uh, we won't get into spoilers just yet. But in terms of like the world um, mm-hmm. that is depicted in Akira, like I I love the, this. You've kind of alluded to it already, but this like kind of brutal depiction of a sci fi future. Like it is sci fi, but it's borderline mm-hmm. apocalyptic. You know, there's definitely um, huge numbers of people who live in poverty but yet it manages to kind of blend this this dirty grimy city with um, moments of almost like you know quite quite high high concept uh, sci-fi so that you know these these street gangs that are able to get these incredibly expensive bikes that have like mm-hmm. electricity coming off the wheels and stuff I, I think this is this this for me I love a cyberpunk world for me i think this is my favorite depiction of a cyberpunk world ever did, like how did, how did you like kind of find the the, the world uh
1: yeah so obviously the first the first thing i noticed was it was very blade runner-esque like yeah. I, I noticed that straight away i loved the i loved the animation i thought it was yeah. the like the way that they did the lights of the bikes and they, the trails and like the, oh, just yeah. the, it gave the world a real mugginess like a real uh, like I, I felt like it was real. Th- the air was thick. You know, yeah. it was staying behind. You can, Like
0: smell the movie, like as you're watching it. It's yeah, like, yeah, this, this yeah. Is, I feel like if you touched something in Neo Tokyo, it would be sticky. That's the. <laughs> that's the yeah. No. I.
1: Re- yeah. I, the, the actual, the actual animation. Uh, like in terms of the actual design, the production design of the, of the sets and the, and the and the place that they're in, it was just incredible and real tactile and made me feel like i was there but i will say as well actually i think where the animation really shined was in the more grotesque um sort of visiony moments so you know like mm. so without going into too much spoilers yet yeah, there's like there's a character who has a few visions and there's a vision where he falls to the ground and he and he sort of looks there's a hole in the ground underneath him and then all of a sudden all of his guts fall out onto the pavement and yeah. it was so visceral yeah. and so the animation in that moment was really visceral really tactile and I maybe nearly want to throw up to be honest. Yeah, I you. mean we we I I think we'll probably come back to to Tetsuo's uh
0: Tetsuo's visions. I don't think it's giving too much weight to say it's Tetsuo has no, no, them because no. it's like he's a young man with telekinetic powers who gets experimented on. <laughs> yeah. He has visions. Um yeah. but uh, we'll come back to those because I do there's definitely some stuff in that that I want to talk about um with you. Um we can't we can't move on really without discussing the animation quality of that opening bike chase sequence, which to me I think yeah. is still one of the most stunning like kind of action set pieces I've ever seen in animation, possibly in any kind of movie ever. And obviously Canada's bike is just one of the coolest designs of a of a vehicle I've ever seen. I like I would we, we talked about this a bit before beforehand, but I would pay so much money for Canada's bike. Um I it would I would bankrupt myself to have that vehicle
1: yeah like uh, there's a reason why tatsuo wants it so bad like it's it's so cool um it was am i right thinking that when it was parked like that he folds it out a bit before sitting on it like was it folded up a little bit yeah it kind of like like it, it like well
0: the the um the kind of windshield kind of comes down like a cockpit um and uh, and yeah the, the the spokes kind of extend outwards a little bit as well so it's, it's really the animation there's so many like moving parts on it uh, it just it feels like a like a functional vehicle um and yeah as i've said before like when he when he starts it up the first time and he does like the kind of the, the 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 wheel spin and the electricity starts coming off that front tire and it's like that is such classic a cyberpunk because it's like what what purpose does that electricity on the front tire serve absolutely none yeah. is my imagine is my my impression but it looks fucking cool so it, well it, it, it made it now.
1: made me it made me realize that this bike is better than the rest of anything yes. else like it may, yeah yeah it's it's, so it's it got a top me.
0: gun sticker on it so that's how you know that uh <laughs> but, and, and that is like, it's funny you mentioned blade runner before actually because this movie has a lot Lot of like western influence uh, obviously top gun is a is kind of a bit of a joke like it's not really influenced by top gun at all but, but <laughs> blade runner is definitely an influence um on this in terms of the world it depicts and i think it has that same griminess in the world but it also something that it does that blade runner doesn't really have um or at least the the, the movie doesn't really have the book uh, from memory i think the book does have a little bit of it there's been a long time since since i've read uh do androids dream of electric sheep but the the fact that in almost every scene, there is an establishing sh- or every scene that that is kind of set within the the rougher parts of the city. There is usually an establishing shot of some kind of crowd trouble, like there's all there's mm. like protests or there's just explosions, um, and it does this brilliant job of kind of conveying just this this mounting dissent and unrest in this city and the fact that it's kind of normalized for all of these uh, all of these people. And then and then when you know when they eventually go to the school as well, and it's just the the worst school you could possibly imagine
1: yeah it was absolutely terrible um yeah but yeah just i i i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would to be honest with you a lot of the time with anime i find that i get recommended things and i watch them and, and they never live up to yeah what what i thought they were going to akira did for me actually i really really enjoyed it and i will be watching it again i i think it's there's a reason why this anime is the one that sort of broke the Western audience, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, this is,
0: I I absolutely agree with you that there's some anime that you need to, that comes with kind of asterisks next to it, uh, where you're like, this is great, but it has some pretty troubling depictions of, you know, sexual relationships, which is not to say that it's bad. You know, a lot of the anime I grew up on is has horrific moments of sexual violence to be honest but but there's also like really cool action sequences. Well
1: this one had a little bit of that too to be honest. It, it with you. does, but
0: I feel like this is a lot less uh it is it's a lot more in service of a character and it's not designed to be titillating, I don't think it's designed to kind of show A side of a character who whose entire arc in this movie is a is a tragedy
1: essentially um yeah i I will say though to be honest with you i don't know how you feel about this because you did see this so so early in in life um but for the first half an hour before things really got kick-started i i found the main group of teenage boys really unlikable i'm gonna be honest with you like and 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 of course that is also in the context of the situation they're living in. Yeah, uh, it's it's in it's in the context of you know the, their life and how hard it is and mm-hmm. the hardship they faced and they've had to become tough to survive. Like yeah. I, I can see that, but the amount of ca- other characters they were dismissing, especially women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were dismissing, telling to shut up. Um, it was they are not good was... to their
0: girlfriends <laughs> like in...
1: well one one of their girlfriends gets completely sexually assaulted mm. and 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 then the the answer whenever the, the the sort of situation comes back a little bit under control is that the boyfriend tells her to shut up and uh and and, and you know stop annoying him or whatever yeah. and runs away i I just thought that they, they were they were quite unlikable at the beginning yeah me, I, I think that's
0: like. fair I mean they are you know they're street punks they're they I think yeah. it is by design but so I certainly understand that it's hard to find a protagonist to identify with in this movie. I I guess it's Canada to a certain extent, but honestly Canada's well I think I think let's let's get into kind of spoiler territory here because mm. like so we can actually talk about it. So if you haven't seen Akira, spoiler warning, we're going to we're going to talk about like some spoilers in the story now. Um I guess Kaneda is the protagonist, but really his role is a very reactive one. Like he doesn't, he kind of mm-hmm. just follows along um, with. Um, oh, I've forgotten her name now. Um, it's not Kauri. It's K- Kai. Kai. Yeah the the, the 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 love interest I think is yeah. Uh, Kai. I think it's Kay. Um is Kay. Yeah, it's Kay. Um, yeah, it he follows her along, and she's a member of this kind of anti government resistance group, mm-hmm. and and he ends up you know fighting. Tetsuo when he when he loses control of his telekinetic abilities at the end of the movie, but really, very little of what Kaneda does in this movie pro- it propels the plot forward. Um, and yeah, I can totally get that that it makes it hard. There's not really a kind of good guy to hang your hat on. And funnily enough, mm-hmm. actually, I, I how did you feel about uh, Colonel Shikishima, the, uh, the, the the military kind of tough guy character in this?
1: Um, I actually, yeah, I I don't know about what i think of him overall but i i didn't actually i sort of saw his motives uh, yeah. a, a lot of the time he he didn't really seem like an evil character to me no i like, yeah, don't yeah, no, really...
0: i i think i mean he i think he's he is motivated he, he is correct in his assumptions about the corruption of of the uh of the uh uh what are they called supreme executive council and you know science pushing to basically create another akira
1: um although I will say um... Uh, the, the the guy who in that council who asked for the funding to go to social programs, I'm just like, I love that guy. Yeah. Give all, him all the money. Yeah.
0: but the thing is, would it even go there? Like, we've got. I think that's one of the things we don't really get a lot of. We get Mister Nezu, who is kind of an analog uh, for, or uh, not an analog for, but like a representation of the entire Supreme Executive Council. Mm-hmm. He's the corrupt politician who is feeding information to the anti-government group because he essentially wants to overthrow the government and install something that. Uh, or destabilize the government so he can get himself more power, and I feel like his character is designed to kind of say no one in this Supreme Executive Council can be trusted; they are all co- they are all corrupt, and put us in Colonel Shikishima's yeah. shoes. Uh, but I mean, talking about Shikishima, it's really. I think this is one of the only movies I've ever seen where there's a military coup and I'm like, I'm kind of on the side of the military coup. <laughs> it's
1: an, I was literally I mean. just thinking like, the exact same yeah. thing. The next point I was going to make was I, I never thought I'd be on the side of a military <laughs> yeah, coup. Yeah, yeah. I like, when it happens, I was like,
0: yeah, fuck those guys. Actually, like this, this, this calls for a strong leader with like a, with a military behind him. And I was like, oh God, is this how it happens? <laughs> like they They kind of, they, you know, they, they sell you a threat. And then and then sees power. But, you know, what we see... Yeah. I think it's also helped by the fact that Colonel Shikishima almost has quite a paternal relationship with the espers. You know, he's quite gentle with them, um, which shows us a kind of more sensitive side. No, sensitive is maybe not the right word for it, but a certainly more a more caring side of his character than we perhaps... See from a lot other a lot of other would
1: be military dictators. Um, Yeah, I will say about the military thing as well. Like, if you were to apply this to the real world, and you think to yourself, "Will the world, like, will the Western countries in this world ever get to the point where there's a military coup justified?" And it's like the idea of like moving into these like late stage capitalism and like you know all this sort of sort of stuff. I think to myself like in this in this film, I can kind of see it because. There was this weird like nuclear explosion, like psycho- sci- uh, you know, psychic power explosion mm. that led to the world being like this. But in the real world, all I can see, if we if we eventually get, say America eventually goes so bad that you need to have a military coup, I'm, look, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but like, look how many options there's been a- along the way. The reason you get to that stage in the real world is a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time is because you don't take the right the sensible option you know you al- yeah. you always you always like get get brainwashed by by certain people trying to whereas this is like fast tracking that idea it's like there's a nuclear explosion and in the aftermath all of these higher ups in the government all took advantage of it and, yeah. and managed to line their own pockets yeah I mean
0: th- I mean this th- it's important to kind of remember that this this movie only takes place 33 years after
1: oh 33 is a very important number for my little yep. theory going on here
0: um, it, it's um, yeah, thirty-three years after a um, after a, like a, a cataclysmic event, like a city was destroyed. Potential, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many people are in Tokyo. I presume it's like ten million or something. But you know, millions of people would have died in that. Um, mm-hmm. and we see thirty-three years later, rather than a country that has rallied to, uh, make sure this never happens again, you see the exact same mistakes being made. The scientists yeah. who are blinded by their fascination with this 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 power um, who are prompting something like Akira to happen again. And I, I guess to get into it, Akira is an, a young boy who was raised, along with the Espers, um, the 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 three kind of ch- childlike figures who actually look quite old and um, essentially ascended to a form of godhood and in doing so unleashed their full potential um, and destroyed a city. And the Espers are... Uh, look look the way they do because they're actually fed drugs to keep their powers mm-hmm. under control because they never want this to happen again and then Tetsuo comes along and they're like oh he's just like Akira we can harness this this time and it doesn't end well um, yeah so I mean there's two things that I really yeah two things I really wanted to discuss here then so I mean we talked briefly about uh, Kaori's character the one who is uh, you know sexually assaulted beaten on the side of the road when Tetsuo mm-hmm. tries to kind of run away with uh, with Kaneda's bike and his response to that once uh, the rest of the capsule gang turn up to save the day is to beat the the biker the clown gang member responsible within an inch of his life uh, while Kaori just sits off to the side um, yeah with no one to look after and that is that is horrific that scene mm-hmm. and i and i think it's um i'm interested to see i, I hesitate to call it an arc because she's literally only in like three scenes in the movie but to me she's one of the most tragic characters in the movie because eventually she pursues tetsuo um once he's begun to transform into this this monster yep. of technology and flesh um like Kaneda does Kaneda pursues him to try and kill him kaori pursues him because for some reason, she still loves him, and she is consumed and horrifically killed um, by by Tetsuo. Um, and yeah, that's always stayed with me. That death—it's one of the most kind of striking deaths because it's just so utterly pointless and so completely unfair to that character.
1: Well, I don't, I don't think it is a hundred percent analogous to this um, analogy that I'm going to draw but but I think in that in that respect of the story I actually kind of felt like it was a little bit like addiction it's like it, it's kind of like you know with, with, when people are loving towards you like they're the ones who get hurt the most you know like in in, in terms of being the relationship like a, you know a relation to someone who was heavily addicted to something the only way to keep your own peace of mind is to accept the things you cannot change yeah uh, and and I feel like she didn't do that mm-hmm. and maybe Kaneda didn't either he truly he could change it in a negative way but but she got fully consumed by him now, I don't think the whole thing's a metaphor for addiction not not at all, but I mean in that regard, I've really felt that way. I thought like you see this guy going down this horrible path and you you think that your empathy will bring him out of it. It's like no you 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 yeah that that's a little bit that's a little egotistical in in itself to be honest with you
0: yeah and i I think I definitely think there is something there because I mean we see as you said the the rest of the capsule gang with their with their girlfriends um fairly early on in the movie, and none of them are you know particularly caring to to these Mm -hmm. to these women that you know dismiss them tell them to shut up they see you know they treat them like an annoyance um rather than people that they actually care about and and you know to some extent i think that's a realistic depiction of how those relationships would be in a world as harsh as this but Mm -hmm. to then see that taken to its most extreme kind of conclusion where tetsuo literally turns into this giant flesh fleshy monstrosity of like kind of metal and uh, and flesh when he replaces his arm with uh with some 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 wiring um and her still go to him and her st- and her just be just completely like killed in this horrific way is um <clears throat> is, is a really a really great moment a great mm-hmm. moment like a, 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 a very profound moment for that character and it's one that's definitely stayed with me um and the other mm-hmm. thing that i wanted to talk about in, in <clears throat> talking about Tetsuo's final transformation into this huge like flesh monster and how like yeah. striking that is we, t- we you touched on it briefly before uh but the visions that he has so the the one that always like i i'm always um i I love the most is when he is in hospital um and the espers basically try to assassinate him because they know what he Mm. represents and they come at him as like this giant teddy bear and this giant rabbit and this giant walking car yeah uh and they start like bleeding like milk out of their out of their paws and it's just so horrific and i i love that scene
1: yeah that that was really (laughs) cool like um i i thought it was genuinely another vision of his but it seemed to actually be them put Sort of projecting this out, out to the world, yeah. um, sort of carry. I think even maybe physically carrying things to create them into these animals, but um, yeah. but yeah, like that that was really cool. I, I like sort of I like the the relationship of the Espers to uh, Tatsuo. and then at the very end, whenever they're all like, you know, shit, we're getting out of dodge <coughs> as well, and they yeah. sort of travel in. Uh, in terms of the very very end, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of theories. Yeah. I purposely didn't really look anything up before I talked about it, but I'm sure there are a lot of theories because I grew up in a Christian Catholic, you know, background and stuff, you know, laps now, of course, but, uh, grew up in that, in that, in that, in that environment. I, the moment you mention 33 years, um, for me, I immediately start thinking of Jesus Christ. And I, I, i don't know how much not by accident
0: i'm almost certain that's not by accident yeah
1: yeah so like you have this you have akira and they all talk about akira as if he's god right they're talking about like akira within us all they're talking about like you know the little bit of akira within us all and then 33 years later what you could call a child of akira through the uh the 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 powers that he that the tatsuo has uh ascends to the same plane as Akira. Um, it's the metaphors are really heavily put in there for Yeah, me.
0: yeah and, and you know the f- the final the final kind of sequence of the movie is essentially the espers calling on the essence of Akira through the 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 kind of um uh, had like preserved organs, and and um, mm-hmm. they're not even really organs, it's like kind of biomechanical stuff in jars and like formaldehyde. Yeah. But the espers calling on the essence of Akira to come and take Tetsuo away to a higher plane of existence, yeah. And you know, that. That the 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 similarities between that and you know like the the crucifixion you know this idea of something coming down and getting uh, Jesus or getting this this kind of de- uh, deity like mm-hmm. figure um, are are very very clear to me uh, and then you know the final shot of the movie before um, before we uh, you get to the credits is um, these like galaxies flying past yeah. that t- to me implies uh, Akira and Tetsuo have ascended to a place where. They control creation the very itself. yeah, they control the very like strings of creation, like they can create galaxies if they want to um and and it's i think it's a it's a really i think that ending as well is something that I just didn't really grasp when I first watched this, and it's taken multiple rewatches to get um but i I think that that is it's so brilliant It so brilliantly like expands the scope of the these powers and just makes you look back at you know like Kaneda fighting tetsuo with a laser cannon on a bike and and you know that's mm-hmm. a really cool action sequence but then to look at that and be like humanity is so outmatched by this why <laughs> why do we keep messing with it you know why why must we persist in you know opening trying to open pandora's box when we're just going to be utterly destroyed by what by
1: what we find um It really reminded me of. um, It's weird that I saw this film before Akira, but it reminded me of Luc Besson's Lucy. Like, uh, Mm. how I explained. I don't know if I explained fully spoilers for that film when we were on the the best movie podcast ever about four or five months ago, but basically at the end of that film, Lucy sort of transcends her. Her, her physical form and is the root of all creation basically yeah uh, that she she basically is the reason for the big bang and stuff it really really struck a chord with me that it was similar in tone yeah you know? i
0: mean i I think Lou besson is 100% the kind of filmmaker who was influenced by Akira and and, you know that really Akira's influence you can look at just about any western director who has directed sci-fi and and they will tell you that Akira has influenced them to some extent like this really is I I think you've got um like Blade Runner and then you've got this as far as Mm -hmm. sci-fi influences go um and yeah i absolutely love it so i mean do you, do you have any any kind of final thoughts on it sounds like you sounds like you enjoyed uh, enjoyed it for the most part
1: i did enjoy it um and actually uh is a katsuhiro Ot- uh, otomo yeah. is that the creator yeah. yeah it makes me want to go and watch more of his 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 stuff because um i, I genuinely liked it like is the rest of his stuff as sort of D- far-reaching or like maybe ambitious i suppose i, I actually
0: don't think i've ever seen anything else that he's done to be honest i've certainly never read any, any of the mangas of this um yeah i'd like i I'd, i oh no actually that's not true um i saw his adaptation of uh metropolis which is really good um that's that's well worth seeing a very again very beautifully animated reminds me it feels actually a lot less like akira and a lot more like a ghibli um movie but um okay. i think that's the only one i've seen of his i'm looking i'm looking at his other stuff now and uh yeah i think that's well, it
1: well pa- apparently there is going to be a um a tv series of akira
0: well uh, the, yeah the, i mean they it, it, uh, one of the big, not criticisms, but one of the big things that everyone said about Akira when the movie came out was that it's hard to follow because the manga is so stripped down for the movie, you know, and they need to get, I think it's like three, three like big issues of a manga into a two hour movie. Um, so yeah, they, they've been talking about TV series. Uh, Taika Waititi is still signed on as far as I know to direct the live action remake of Akira, which I'm, I like Taika Waititi. I think he's a good director and I think he's going to be respectful of the material. I don't know if I want a live-action remake of this, but we'll we'll see. Like it's
1: Taika Waititi is really in the fo- sort of five years of his career where everyone wants him to do everything. Yeah. and I remember this was the case for a number. This is the case for a number of filmmakers and a number of actors. Yeah. Like this, the last two, two, three years have been the Taika Waititi years, yeah. and we'll see them. He's doing Star Wars, he's doing Thor, do you remember he's doing when, Flash, um... go- Flash Gordon, he's doing a yeah. Time Bandits, t- Time Bandits TV show. He's doing the, he's doing a sequel called Werewolves. That's going to be a sequel to what we do in the Shadows. Yeah. He is everywhere. I absolutely love him. I don't think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna hipster this one up. I think I will and still enjoy his stuff. Yeah, but it's interesting to me. I don't think I think. I think 50% of the stuff he's been linked to is never going to come to come Yeah, to I mean
0: it, it puts me in mind of. do you remember when District 9 came out and everyone was like Neil Blomkamp direct these movies yeah. and was like make the Halo movie and um and then you know, like ninety percent. Oh, actually no. I think the the Halo movie was already in production, and then they cancelled it, and they took a bunch of props from it to make District Nine. But I mean, there was a load of stuff that Neil Blomkamp was was linked to after um after District Nine came out. And I do get the sense that yeah, Taika Waititi to some extent is like the hot property in Hollywood at the moment, and a lot of it. I never
1: out. I never thought Taika Waititi would become like the equivalent of J, J. Abrams in terms of how much yeah. stuff he's involved in. I mean, like Reservoir Dogs TV series, he's the creator of that. Like yeah. it's crazy.
0: But I mean, you know, he's good. and and if someone can do a live action Akira I would trust him to do it I just I'm very precious about Akira because it's like you need to do this right or you need to not do it at all because (laughs) like whereas with like Ghost in the Shell I make fun of the the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell a fair bit but to be honest Ghost in the Shell while it's a very stunning anime to look at um, it's nowhere near as kind of impactful narratively and, and thematically as uh, as Akira is. So I'm I'm less like I was less bothered about them doing Max. It's like we well, haven't, you know, I, I, this isn't going to be. If this is someone's first introduction to Ghost in the Shell as a concept, they haven't lost that much. Whereas if if a bad live action Akira comes out and a bunch of people are like grow up associating that with Akira, it's like oh the 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 damage. The damage that could be done, but I mean, I say that as somebody. Not
1: not everyone can do as good of a job as the 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 Death Note uh, live action. I refuse to watch that
0: i never i never i never watched
1: that i i've actually heard it's okay but i just it was different enough it was yeah. different enough that it can be called okay i mean it was sort of a lose-lose situation yeah if they if they did it the exact same everyone would be like yeah what's the point of this and then they then they did it slightly different made it very american and yeah. then people were like why didn't you just make it the exact same so made, it was uh, all right made Let's five out of ten. Five, solid the, five out of ten the,
0: Shin- the Shin- yeah. was it shinigami made willem defoe the shinigami, shinigami yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um which is an interesting choice but yeah well i mean there you go then that that is akira anthony has seen it now i i like we can set we can take that one off the list and say anthony is an anime expert at long last i've been saying that we're gonna do it and we've finally done it um and i and i love this movie as well i'm i'm also an anime expert so we can (laughs) if we ever give advice on anime in the future you can be assured that we are correct in those opinions, uh, well, just
1: back uh, back in Akira, you know uh, that's how you have to start every every uh, yeah. conversation about it. And then you got it puts be a mind
0: of Akira, yeah, and, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then something completely, un- or something that
0: doesn't even happen in Akira. Just the- <laughs> yeah, 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 um, but that's going to do it for us, I think, here on the best movie podcast ever, which leads us to, uh, as it always does, asking one simple question, and that is,
1: Anthony, what's your favorite movie this week? Oh, it's got to be Akira. Oh. No, no funny business. Got to be Akira. Yeah,
0: I'm not gonna. We're not messing around this week. Akira for me as well. It's a clean sweep, and as well it might be. Uh, you should see Akira too if you haven't already. Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Garrett for the use of our theme song. You can check out a link down to their stuff in the uh, in the description below. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already. We're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps, and we are the Culture Cave on YouTube. Um, and get involved in the comments. Give the show a like. It really does help. And we will see you same time, same place next week and cut